Hey everybody, before we get into the show, I want to go ahead and plug a local GoFundMe that if you have a few extra bucks this holiday season, I know times are tight, but uh, maybe consider kicking a few dollars to erase some student lunch debt that a comrade of mine is doing. Here's the uh, GoFundMe description. Some of you may remember back in 2019 for the holidays, I decided to help my former middle school erase their student lunch debt. Over the course of four days, we were able to raise almost $800, which helped dozens of students and their family have one less thing to worry about over the holidays. Thank you to everyone who donated. Well, we're back at it now that student lunches are once again no longer free. Between the beginnings of the recession and inflation wrecking havoc, the amount has more than doubled. We have until 12 13 to raise it so I can get the check into my contact at the middle school before the end of the semester. So if you feel like donating, to the cause or sharing the fundraiser to spread the word we'd be forever grateful let's get to it so i happen to know this organizer and i know they do great work in the community and i have the utmost trust in them and this effort so again if you've got a few extra bucks to spare to help strike student lunch debt definitely kick it and the link for that gofundme is located in the episode description so, yeah, check it out. Anyway, here's the show. Deck the halls with railroad strikes. Fa la 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 la. We'll go wildcat, fuck Joe Biden. Fa la 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 la. Yep, it's that time of year again. Christmas trees, Santa Claus, ho ho ho, and all them elves. And apparently mass railroad work stoppages fingers crossed at least anyway um the best part of doing a podcast is i guess dropping the ball and still having listeners Uh, sorry it's been a minute since i've put out an episode i've honestly been completely writer's blocked about podcast scripts so i think part of it just so much going on I didn't know what to really touch on, plus I'm handling business in real life, unfortunately. Despite my generous regular patrons, I I still can't haven't made enough to do this full-time. And ironically, I need to do more episodes to get to that point. So it's, it's work-life balance, you know. I mean, this is fun for me, so it's just tricky. So I'm actually trying something a little new. I'm just kind of going off the cuff because it's been a minute. Oh, yeah. By the way, I guess I I should actually introduce the show. Welcome to Red Leg Revolution, a show about community. I'm C-Dubs, and I'm going to be talking for the next half hour or so. So I hope you find my voice soothing. Soothing like an NPR host. Except when I want to get you angry, and then, you know, I, I get a little intense. But anyway, so yeah, let's start with railroad strikes, because um, that's, that's kind of what's going on in the news. And it's something that's been brewing for a little while now. I'm, again, I'm going off the cuff. I don't have a whole lot of research pulled up on this, but I do know the bits and pieces I pick up doing the union activism I do. So... From what I understand, and feel free to correct me if I'm wrong, I'm happy to be corrected about stuff like this. Well, most things, but that's beside the point. 
So yeah, from what I understand, the railroad workers are trying to get sick days. Their current contract doesn't have enough pay and they have no sick days and their schedules are insane. Plus it's a high stress job. You think about it, you're you're in charge of speeding metal tubs of all sorts of potentially dangerous things. Sometimes not so dangerous things that turn out to be dangerous if you screw up and crash your train. And plus there's all sorts of engineer mishaps. They're under a lot of stress and a lot of physical risk. And they can't even get sick days to recuperate when they're physically ill. So that's not an unreasonable thing, right? I mean, most places have some form of, of sick leave. It may be shitty sick leave, right? I've worked at places that gave you like three sick days a year and it's, all right, cool. I, I see like 500 people every day and I get three days off that you'll pay me for. Anyway, that's beside the point. That's something, right? That's something that in a civilized society, which we're supposed to be, should honestly be taken care of from a greater perspective a healthy populace is a more productive populace, right? And it's important for us to be able to recuperate. When we go to work sick, I know this because I used to be that guy because I didn't have any other choice, either no paid sick days or I couldn't afford to miss the time or whatever. So there are frequently times I went to work sick and I I didn't have a choice. So... Like, I don't know. I kind of lost myself. The bottom line is these railroad, railroad workers deserve sick days. It's a basic thing, right? So they've been talking about striking, and they've been negotiating with the companies. I believe uh, Amtrak is one of the companies. Um, one of them is owned by Warren Buffett. So, yeah, I think that guy could probably afford a little money to pay for sick days for his workers, but I digress. Anyway, so the strike's been brewing. They've been negotiating back and forth. And the, if I remember correctly, the railroad workers were offered a contract that included no sick days. And they were like, no, we're going to strike. Well, as we know from recent events, the railroad system is integral to our logistical supply lines. So one of the things that they blamed the quote-unquote inflation on in the past year or so was issues with the rail lines, among other things. So a work stoppage could be a real big thing, right? There's critical things that are transported via rail. Uh, I What comes to mind immediately for me living where I do and seeing the trains that I do is coal. We have a lot of coal-fired power plants that get their coal from elsewhere and the rail system brings it in. Um, there's water, uh, you know, stuff like that. So, and, and they're threatening to strike over that. So I support that, right? That is how we enact major change. It's to work within that system to cripple that system. And that's a key aspect of organized labor power, organized worker power, when we collectively organize for stuff like this, we can bring the entire economy uh, 
crashing to its knees, or at least grind to a halt, while we figure this out. So they're talking about striking, and then just recently, I things came kind of came to a head, and Biden's Secretary of Labor, as well as Joe Biden and various other uh, politicians, have been involved in trying to negotiate the strike as politicians do. And as we know, it doesn't usually go well, whether it's the presidents in the late 1800s, early 1900s, sending a National Guard on behalf of the bosses to execute hardworking people just trying to organize for a fair wage, all the way up to Ronald Reagan and the PATCO Union, which I'll probably be talking a little bit more about here in a minute. But it's a it's a long history of politicians trying to quote unquote negotiate when all they're going to do is give the bosses exactly what they want. So um uh, Secretary Walsh has been involved. They came up with a tentative plan that had a raise but no sick days and it was not an adequate raise and they the workers rejected it. So since then, Biden has basically been like, yo, I'm going to support the unions. This is crit or support the bosses. This is critical infrastructure. You can't stop the rails because that would hurt our economy. And I don't think any leftist, anarchist, communist, what have you, is surprised at all. We knew Joe Biden basically ran for president on I'm not Trump and then everything will go back to normal. And that's exactly what's happening. And I I could rag on Biden for all sorts of, uh, my opinion, policy failures since he took office. But honestly, I, I don't think serves much of a purpose at the moment because I have this subject to focus on. So... Biden's been toted as, like, the most labor-friendly president ever, which, honestly, two things can be true. That's that's a personal truth I've been working a lot with, and my mental growth and stuff is accepting that two things can be true, and two things can be true. Joe Biden can be the most labor-friendly president that we've ever had, but when we've never had any—when we had straight-up enemies to labor— the entire time, that's kind of a low bar, right? So if he, I guess, doesn't send in the National Guard to shoot the rail workers or imprison the rail workers for striking, then, okay, he's he's labor-friendly, but he's not, that's not a good thing. It's kind of like the spectrum of politics in America where we don't have a far left, we have a center right party that is the farthest left we can go so he's he's a democrat he's he's no friend of labor but he is the most labor friendly president we've ever had it's semantics but i do think it's important to to accept that two things can be true but he is still no no fellow worker right and that's that's a big problem because now Biden and Congress are trying to pass a law 
to negotiate an end to the strike. And the last I heard, that's going to include no sick days. It's a pay raise. The sick days are going to be on a separate bill. And they're, it's, it's a page out of Ronald Reagan's playbook, right? So I think we all know how unions were gaining power through the late 40s, 50s, 60s, the boomer golden years. Hold on a second. My cat is up on my studio. I got to move this thing before she messes with my cables. I'll be right back. You know what? Let's let's just we'll take a commercial break and and yeah. Enjoy these words from these awesome groups and stuff that I work with and considering for the holiday season maybe kicking them a few bucks or, you know, spreading some of their messages or maybe visiting them in the case of Revolution Records. Anyway, I'm going to mess with this cat that I got from Revolution Records and I will be right back. Ads I just got my hours cut again? How can I pay my bills? Yeah, it sucks, especially since they only pay us minimum wage. But what can we do? Solidarity Man. That's right, fellow workers. It is I, Solidarity Man, champion of the working class. And it sounds like you need a union. A union? That's right. What power on earth is weaker than the feeble strength of one? So a union makes us strong? That's right. Alone, you can do little to change your situation, but together you can move mountains. And the industrial workers of the world are here to help. Huh? The IWW is a union for all workers, no matter the trade, job, or career. And we want to organize your workplace. Wow. Where can we find the IWW? In your hometown. The IWW has branches all over the world. Check out IWW.org to find your local membership board or join as an at-large member and start your own chapter. After all, our greatest superpower is working together. I must go. I hear another exploited worker calling for help. But remember, the working class and the employing class have nothing in common. Away! Hey, capitalism sucks, but Revolution Records, Kansas City's old school record and bookstore, is part of my community. When I'm in Kansas City and need a book or a copy of a local band's album, I go to Revolution Records. Revolution has a great selection of posters, books, records, tapes, and zines. Plus, they repair music and sound gear. That's pretty dope. Most importantly, Revolution Records is part of the community beyond being a small business. The staff does a great job maintaining an inclusive, accepting, and respectful atmosphere, and they also are active in making Kansas City a better place. Community fundraisers, workshops, events, and meetings all have taken place at Revolution Records, and that's just the stuff I was involved in. So the next time you need a new record to spin or your speaker breaks, go check out Revolution Records, located 1830 Locust Street, Kansas City, Missouri, or at revolutionrecordskc.com. Who's got two thumbs, a deep abiding love for his community, and a brand spanking new Patreon page? This guy, and this show. Red Leg Revolution now has a Patreon. You can find us at patreon.com backslash redlegpod. Become a monthly supporter and help us support the community. Monthly supporters get benefits like early access to episodes, bonus episodes specifically for patrons, and maybe even some video of me doing this thing right now that I'm doing with my hands that you're not seeing because it's an audio podcast. So, if you want to help support me so I can help support the community, check out patreon.com backslash redlegpod. 
After all, our only hope is each other. Deep in the swamps of Florida. Honey, is that a new plant? He dwells, waiting. Where did those seeds come from, honey? Silently. Oh my God, what is that thing? Sending seeds and stickers across the country. Ah! And spreading solidarity. Have you lost your mind, honey? We can't move to a sustainable commune in upstate New York. What's wrong with you lately? There's no stopping him. The mighty skunk ape is on Facebook, and he's on a mission. Anarchy! No! Coming to a post office box near you, the Skunk Ape Liberation Union. Okay, we're back. I moved the cat off of my mix board, probably, and I checked the last audio and she didn't mess it up. So yeah, uh, Regan and Patco, I think we all know about that, um, but let me give you a quick one-off just from the top of my head. So Patco is going to strike. They're the flight attendants uh, back in the 80s, and... Congress intervened, and Ronald Reagan was basically like, y'all going back to work, or I'm going to throw you in jail. Uh, Basically broke the public sector unions, uh, and the private sector kind of followed. So Biden is taking a page out of Ronald Reagan's playbook at the moment. Um, He hasn't quite gone as far as Reagan, but this is a still developing story. So like it's all it's all up in the air. Well there's a line in Red Dead Redemption where one of the characters says, "We are living in history. I am not afraid to die." And I that line resonates with me. Not so much that I'm not afraid to die part, but we are living in history and I don't do a lot of timely podcasts as you guys <laughs> my loyal listeners know. I am uh, less dependable than a dad that goes out for a pack of smokes, Um, which is very ironic because I'm very dependable for my children. Um, So I'm sorry, guys. I just go out for lots of packs of smokes and uh, take my time coming back. (laughs) I find myself like tripping in the Sonoran Desert or something like, holy shit, it's been three weeks. How did I get here? so yeah. Anyway, so yeah, the um the rail strike could be a big thing, right? Cuz all the businesses um uh, and society really to a degree do depend on the rails. And so at the moment, just like the air traffic controllers, that was it. It wasn't the stewardess or flight attendants, it was the air, air traffic controllers uh in Patco. Um uh, but anyway, yeah, so just like Patco, they have a lot of leverage here. They could seriously grind the economy down during the holidays. They could, which will have a radiating effect in greater society, which that's that's what strikes do. That's what they're supposed to do. And the more that that radiates into society, the more angry people get at the people who are causing the strike. And with proper information and education people tend to get mad at the bosses 
I don't know so much in the polarized America we live in now and with the effective propaganda machine on the right, so a lot of people are essentially brainwashed into supporting our corporate overlords. So, but I'm hoping that it, it'll have good ramifications for the railway as well as for greater society. And if they do strike, this is where we're going to see, once again, the importance of solidarity and mutual aid. Like, things will get more expensive if the railroad workers strike. So we need to be helping each other out, and we need to be doing our best to try to keep these networks of survival among our communities working and flowing. Things like food pantries, um, garden shares, stuff like that. Help, you know, make a pot of soup, take it down to the park, eat it with whoever comes up. I mean, this... This type of thing is how we got through, well, kind of got through the pandemic, which is still going on, uh, but how we got through the pandemic. And it's how we're going to get through all the hard times ahead. And I think we're slowly realizing that because of the pandemic and the economy since the pandemic, which has just skyrocketed due to corporate greed and stuff. So it's... It's important to be parts of, to take part of those networks and be a part of those networks because we need to build dual power as we, again, saw during the pandemic and we're seeing through the, the price gouging and all that's going on since 2020, ironically, since Biden got elected, um, all but all that stuff we've just been building these networks and learning that we need to have dual power because the government is no longer going to make an effort to take care of us whether it's railroad railroad workers who are striking whether it's immunocompromised people who are endangered because they're being told to go back into a society that's not taking any pandemic mitigation attempts uh, you know to the the people with uteruses who are losing bodily autonomy because the Democrats made no effort to ever codify Roe. Uh, there's, there's so many ways that we're being let down and how we get around these, right, is by depending on each other and helping each other. All these things can't be fixed by building dual power, but they can definitely be assisted by building dual power. And the only reason I believe that they can't be fixed by building dual power is anytime somebody starts to succeed at building dual power in America, they get executed by the FBI. So um, I'm being pragmatic. It's not that I don't think it would work. I don't think the United States would let it work. Uh, yeah, it's just, yeah. This country. So let's see. Yeah, it's... It's been an interesting, interesting period living, living in America. And so, yeah, one thing I also should have listed when I was going on ways that politicians don't support us is student loans. Yeah, let's talk a little bit about student loans. I should have done that in a Christmas Christmas tune. I'm sorry, guys. I, I dropped the ball on that. Anyway, 
So yeah, back in August, the Biden administration announced that they were going to forgive up to $20,000 in student loans for uh, a large segment of the population. And like, that's all right, that's, that's helpful. For me personally, that wipes out my student loans and would immediately improve my credit immensely. So like thankful for that, but also if you have a student loan of 150k, 20k ain't gonna do you much. That's like just portion of that's a few years interest, and these efforts didn't include like a freeze on interest rates or a reduction on interest rates or an end to the predatory loan practices of student loans or the regulation, full regulation of student loans at lower interest values or any type of thing that actually helps the borrower it was a one-off hey here we're going to forgive a certain amount good luck so like not enough bruh like we i i'm lucky i only did three semesters of college and i'm self-educated from there i've read a lot of books i've listened to a lot of lectures I know a lot, but it didn't come from college. So my student loans weren't that much. And like I said, in my case, it would it would help me immensely. But it's, 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 I just can't stress how much of a, we went from $50,000 as a campaign promise to like, what was it, $30,000 to $20,000 I mean, all politicians go back on their campaign promises, but I really think that this one was particularly disingenuous given the state of the economy and how when it comes to homes, particularly, so many of my generation and younger are completely priced out or unable to get homes because of the predatory, 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 predatory practices that we've had to endure growing up through the time frames that we have. So, yeah. It, it ticks me off. But what ticks me off even more, right? So we had the midterm elections. There was no red wave that was predicted. The Democrats gained in the Senate and lost a few in the House. But all in all, it was, it was a push. So it was good for the Democrats. They didn't lose a bunch of stuff. Well, a few days after, a uh, judge threw out an opinion or uh, decided to freeze the student loan uh, relief program by a lawsuit brought by the attorney generals of a bunch of red states, including Kansas and Missouri. So local listeners, your attorney generals suck. I'm aware of that. Are you? So this judge, I think it was in Texas, was like, no, you can't do this. This is not something legal you can do by executive order. You have to pass it by Congress. So they're fighting it in court. But as of now, it is frozen, and unless they get it overturned, then it's going to stay frozen. I believe uh, Merrick Garland, the national AG, has is petitioning the Supreme Court to take up that case and to see where it'll go. But as I've heard, my application was taken and was frozen, so... So they couldn't even do that right, and I don't obviously put that one on Biden and the Democrats. I mean, I already griped about what Biden did, and I think the Democrats would have preferred this to have gone through 
it's that's the the right wing trying to hold up progress and yeah i i can't dump on the democrats too much for for this except for you know not just passing bills that say you know college should probably be free at least at the community level and student loans should be capped at like you know 0.002 interest or something because it shouldn't be a profit scheme in order to open the gates to a better educated populace and that's a big part of what student loans are is part of the thing that keeps that class divide perceived class divide going because there are the people who have the generational wealth who don't have to depend on student loans as much and then there's people that, like me who the only way that I was going to go to college was taking a bunch of student loans out because by the time I hit college we were starting uh, the cat's messing with the Christmas tree <sighs> the new kitten's a handful so by the time that I started you know, going to college, the prices of tuition were already going up, the inflation was going up, the minimum wage wasn't, there was no way for me to exist without, without having or maintaining good credit. I mean, I've done a whole episode on how I feel about credit, and a big part of my issue with credit was I was told I needed to go to college and get a good job, and that was the only way to go to college. And then after a few semesters, I realized I could go here and get my degree and still have trouble finding a job. So I dropped out. And I feel very fortunate now as an older man to know, to not worry about, you know, $50,000 student loan hanging over my head. Mine, mine seems attainable. I have not paid a dime on it in my entire life. Um, partially as an act of, of defiance and partially because my credit sucks so bad at any way, it doesn't matter. But it's attainable, and hopefully I can be, you know, making enough money in the next year that I can, you know, pay it down because I'm probably going to have to because I don't I, – I hope I'm wrong. I was wrong about the Kansas uh, abortion law back in August. I, I'll leave that crow. I'm glad that I was wrong. The The – women's choice people beat out the forced birthers and I thought the opposite was going to happen I yeah so I I eat that crow it tastes crowy so I hope I'm wrong here too but you know I don't know maybe I'm just cynical maybe maybe I lost my train of thought maybe my cat's messing around with another Christmas ornament uh I think I may title this one The Cat Did It or something because <laughs> it's it's getting frustrating. So, yeah, I've got my fingers crossed and my student loans will get forgiven. And I guess we'll we'll see what happens with that. So, all right. Well, a few things I might add to the student loan story. I paused for a minute and went out had a smoke and did a little research because now I'm slightly less of a hack. Yeah, that's the one benefit of writing the scripts out ahead of time is I have the research and the notes and all that versus winging it. And honestly, I 
just woke up this morning and had a few hours and was like, I need to go ahead and record a podcast. Hopefully I will have a few more before the end of the year. So to add on to the student loan story, this is from an article on CNBC. I mean, is any of our news media impartial? So uh, entitled U.S. Appeals Court Rejects Biden's Bid to Reinstate Student Debt Plan. So a federal appeals court on Wednesday declined to put a hold a judge's ruling that said President Joe Biden's plan to cancel hundreds of billions of dollars in student debt was unlawful. The New Orleans-based Fifth U.S. Circuit Court of Appeals rejected the Biden's administration's request to pause a judge's November 10th order of vacating the $400 billion student debt relief program in a lawsuit pursued by a conservative advocacy group. The decision by Fort Worth, Texas-based U.S. District Judge Mark Pittman a Trump appointee, was one of two nationally that had prevented the U.S. Department of Education under Biden from moving forward with granting debt relief to millions of borrowers. So that's a little update there. Uh, It is important to note that Judge Pittman is a Trump appointee, so there's no real surprise. It is, of course, a concern that if this goes to the Supreme Court, which I believe they rejected to hear one of them, let me let me Google that. But regardless, if it does go to the Supreme Court, it sorry, clicky clicky on the phone. If it does go to the Supreme Court, we have obviously a majority conservative Supreme Court, and so it okay. It's working its way about up to the Supreme Court, but. If it goes to the Supreme Court, we know those guys are douchebags, as we've discussed in more than one of the episodes in the past. It's a predominantly conservative majority because of things like, I don't know, Joe Biden (laughs) getting Clarence Thomas elected by bullying a sexual uh, harassment survivor. So... You know, Joe Biden, the Democrats for not managing to stop the appointments, the entire system for making it where McConnell could hold up nominations. It's it's a clusterfuck, and it's scary that these people are the ultimate arbiters of law in this country. So, I mean, I, I could go on about the Supreme Court but that's a summer subject when they release all their horrible fascist opinions as we slowly continue this march into, you know, the Weimar Republic. So, yeah. Yeah, again, it's, it's, it's a good time to be alive. So I did want to touch on one other thing before I get out of here, and let me pull that up right now. Um... So I don't use Spotify. It's the time of year where everybody's doing their Spotify raps, and I I don't use Spotify. So, but I do distribute through Anchor FM, which is Spotify's podcasting platform network. So I get a Spotify wrapped for podcasters. And I just wanted to mention a few things. First off, thanks y'all for sticking with me with my inconsistent schedule and for listening to my opinions. Like, I really enjoy talking to y'all and letting y'all see kind of how my brain thinks and how my particular view of 
how we can get together and change the world. Talking's always been something that I've been good at. It's been a great benefit in my activism and organizing, and I enjoy doing this, even though I don't quite have the ability to fully dedicate to it. So I thank you guys a lot for, you know, making this worth, worth me doing. Dude, my cats are f***ing with my Christmas tree something hard. I, okay, so I learned I need to not have the washer and dryer on, and I need to put the cats in the bedrooms. Anyway, Spotify wrapped. Thank you for listening, and I just have this one screenshot that I pulled from it, and it just says, I've increased my output percentage since last year by 499% hours, uh, my streams are up 344%, and I've gained 300% followers, 66% new listeners this year. So, the bar was low last year. I started the podcast in, like, September, so there's, like, three or four episodes. So, I, I think it's cool. I've, I've, I'm pushing two years of doing this, and, like, time really flies as you get older, and I very much very much feel like it's been less than less than a year and a half and I'm I like to think I'm getting better at it I'm getting better I feel more natural I listen to some of the older episodes and I'm just like cringing at my own learning and that's not a bad thing right so I think my audio production quality is slowly getting better I'm standardizing some stuff I actually am working on a new theme. I may just drop something else in here for for this one. I don't know. But, yeah, I'm going to get a new theme. Things are getting picking up. Hopefully, like I said, I theoretically have a couple episodes scheduled with guests before the holidays. So I'm hoping to get those up. And I'll probably do a, like I did last year, a, you know, five-minute happy holidays type thing. I don't know. It's still an early in my podcasting career with this show, so... But since it's the first one I've done for over a year, I can start some traditions. So maybe I'll do some themed episode, or... I don't know. I might have Santa Claus come talk about socialism and maybe interview him and see uh, how he justifies working conditions at the North Pole. Hey... I think I just gave myself an idea, but I think that one I'm going to have to work on a bit. Anyway, I think I'm going to wrap it up here. I need to go fold my laundry and make my bed and clean my toilet and all the domestic crap that keeps my house livable. So I hope you all enjoyed my catch-up episode. Again, thanks for sticking with me. Thanks for understanding life gets in the way. You're listening to Red Leg Revolution. You can find us on Facebook and YouTube at Red Leg Revolution, although I'm really bad about making videos of my podcasts anymore. I need to start doing that. And if I start doing these off-the-cuff ones, then I can just record them as on my phone because I'm not using my phone to look up stuff. So, yeah, on YouTube, uh, we are currently on Twitter at Red Leg Pod. I've... I've been having some obvious moral issues with continuing to be on Twitter. I'm not going to pay eight bucks. I do not need to be fake verified, but I don't know. 
it's it's a distribution network and until that bird goes down in flames i'm gonna try to ride it to get the word out so yeah red leg pod um like us subscribe leave a comment leave a review tell people that i'm good tell them i'm bad tell them i've got webbed feet tell them i can turn invisible i i, I don't care just you know engagement it, it drives numbers and all that just leave five stars right and we are working on a patreon since i have no one to no patrons yet i have not put any content up but again that's something i want to try to work out in the new year but we do have a patreon red leg revolution so check it out if you sign up somebody signs up I'll, I'll definitely start start dropping some content but all i can do right now is advertise it so donate to your local mutual aid projects help your comrades out through the holidays and i am out deuces Fuck Joe Biden, strike-breaking motherfucker. This has been a production of 419 Media. <laughs> Got a minute.